three billion human lives ended on August 29th, 1997. The survivors of the nuclear fire called the war Judgment Day. They lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Silver goo into a human being. So are you saying that the T-1000 is a meme because he's mimetic? That totally didn't come out of my mouth the right way because apparently I'm falling asleep at this point. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat The Greater Reviews, Good. The podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Oh, see see, see what happened there? Is I, I came from the future to, <laughs> to tell you in the past what I was supposed to do after it, it was going to happen. And that was to keep him from killing you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think there's anything I could do to keep him from killing me at this point. Oh but, my gosh! Um, I thought I thought he would he would uh, you know for the podcast's sake to make sure I got here at the right time um, to save the podcast. That's hey, great. Hey Sam, just out of curiosity, you weren't naked when you said that, were you? <laughs> well, Kimberly made me put a towel down on the couch. That's. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gross. Okay. Well, <laughs> boy, we're off to a great start. Uh, this is going to be a good episode. This is going to be fun. Uh, uh, this is episode 363, and tonight we're talking about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I am I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight, surprisingly, is Andrew, went through puberty while recording this episode, Jimison. You know, if I'll be back wasn't a good line now we have more but in a different language that's more intense and uh i'm not gonna attempt to do an arnold <laughs> accent but i well, appreciate we're gonna, we're I gonna oh i know I, I actually was yeah. waiting for that yeah. because uh it is my favorite thing he does oh absolutely well well one of the fa- i can't say the other thing Oh, <laughs> let's just say it involves my nipples. Oh, all right. Continue. Sean. Goodness. <laughs> wow. Andrew's in a good mood tonight. Uh, also joining us is Sam. Uh, it's been a while since I've done one of these, Sam. I felt like this was the episode where I can bring this, uh, this old golden treasure back out. Sam dragon's breath to the face vector. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and, and Sean, mm-hmm. if I was going to kill, kill you in some, shape, manner, or form compared to this movie. Yeah. Um, I would have done so already. <laughs> oh, okay. I would already be dead. So by the fact that I already be dead. Yeah. So the fact that I haven't is uh, a testament only to the fact that we have not invented time travel. Or or that somehow you have traveled back at the exact same time somebody to save yourself oh i see so, so you're like you you were outside the, the house with the sniper rifle and then i also then showed up to stop you yeah yeah so it's, it's an endless cycle i got you no it sounds fun all right 
Um, speaking of endless cycle, that is hey, and, cheap and, well, and, and I was going to say, what poor soul have we dragged into this mess? Well, we have dragged a poor soul into it, and that's who I'm about to tell you. Making his Cheap Seat Reviews debut, Eric had his life saved by an RC truck also from this Cinema Sound Radio podcast. No, sorry. Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. Gosh, if I'm going to yeah. get got to make sure I get our guests in the podcast right. Jeez. You know, I, I, yeah, I was thinking about that scene when I was watching it, and I wonder how many times James Cameron made that kid do that scene and how many times he yelled at him. No, no, left. Left, you idiot. <laughs> I could just imagine Cameron just going to town on that poor kid and just making him cry. And then, of course, probably use the crying for the uh, for the next scene after that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, I was. I was. I, for some reason, I had to. I was thinking about that the most while watching this again. Interesting. <laughs> well, and, and that poor kid had to have been traumatized, right? Oh, I mean, the, the, yeah. what was going on around him? Oh uh, yeah. Just, you know, and it happens all in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Everything Absolutely. explodes. His dad almost dies. Arnold rips his arm off. They tell him that his dad, you know, basically destroys the entire universe. I mean, I, I was. This is on five minutes. Yeah. In- <laughs> Sanity, and then, uh, and then his dad never comes home from work. So uh, yeah, that's right. He probably, yeah, yeah. he probably grows up blaming those those people. So I think I would. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, for another few years until they're all nuked. So anyway. <laughs> so Eric, welcome to the show. We're we're so glad that yeah, you're on here. Oh, this is this is an honor. I, my, you guys are great. I've listened to a few episodes. I'm not really sure what I got myself into, but I'm excited. Well, excited to talk to you guys. If, if <laughs> nothing else, talk about this movie. If fun. nothing else, we hope we're going to have a good time. Um, so yeah, when as absolutely. as with yeah. most times, I I almost feel like I tell this story every week. As with most times with the guest, I'll say, "Hello, guest. Um, what m- movie would you like to do?" And they always respond with, "You pick." And then I give you a selection of movies and. And then you say, yes. And I think you were pretty adamant about, uh, have you done Terminator? Uh, well, we did the first one. Then let's do the second one. Okay. And I think also at the time when we were doing this conversation, I think it was streaming somewhere. And of course, it's not. Um, or maybe it wasn't ever. I don't remember. But It is, yeah. yeah we at were least able- here it is. It's p- really bad, too. Uh, it's on Prime, but the encoding sucks. Oh really? There's like green flashes and black flashes. Oh really? All throughout the whole entire movie, and I and I honestly thought it was my Roku that was screwing up. So um, you know, I checked all the other streaming services that I have, and nothing else was messing up. So this film is just terribly encoded. So I actually ran downstairs and grabbed my DVD, the the that silver steel box version of it, and then watched that instead. So yeah, I watched an upconvert of the the film when I could have watched oh, it. Nice. In HD, but it was a really, really crummy um, sure. uh, encoding job of it for some reason. So, and, but and yeah, it's on it's on Prime. And by and by where you are, I want to clarify, you're in Canada. So that's true. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's on like the the I don't know. You guys have like the Stars Network or well or whatever it is, but they have a whole bunch of different movies on there. So that's what it's on. It's like a sub streaming service or yeah. whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that's what I think, Sam, that's what you did, right? You just did like the seven day trial for for stars or whatever or whatever. It well, is. I ended I ended up just renting it from Amazon. Oh, OK. That's probably the best yeah. course, because yeah. what I did was yeah. um, I direct TV is my cable provider and they had it on demand, but it's the TV version. Oh, oh no. And oh. then I ran into a now, new. Wait a second. How is it? 
How does that work? Well, there's no f bombs. There's no there's yeah. no f bombs or good old fashioned shits. And there's a lot of other stuff edited, and I didn't realize that until probably 25 minutes into the movie. And oh, then gosh. my newest problem was tonight as I'm getting ready to pull clips. Directv won't let you fast forward. Uh, and, no, and on no. demand. So I had to sign up for that trial. So I have to remember to uh, <laughs> unsubscribe to the AMC trial because I don't want to spend $9 to watch The Walking Dead. Um, oh. Well, I can, again, I have, I have AMC for free on you know, DirecTV. So anyway, uh, these are all dumb and first world problems. My point is, is that if you want to go watch Terminator 2, I would probably, and I'm actually, and I know you guys are probably, at least Sam and Andrew are probably surprised. I don't own this movie. Uh, because yeah, it, it, actually. It does feel like about one, once a month I say, yeah, this is in my DVD collection. But I don't, I don't own any of the Terminator movies. And wow. It is Not a, even the first one. That's... Uh, actually, yeah. now that I think about it, I think I do have Terminator Salvation on DVD because I think it was gifted to me for Christmas one year. There was like a are five... You... Go ahead. Are you not a Terminator fan? No, no, it's nothing not that. says "Happy Birthday, Jesus" like Terminator Salvation. I'm pretty sure there was a t- there was a period there was like a legit about a ten minute period where every Christmas um, I was going to get from either my in laws or my parents like a like a five dollar Walmart movie kind of a thing, you know, like like a mm-hmm. like a multi pack. I would get those a lot, and so I think that's how I have Terminator Genesis. Anyway, not the point. The point is. <laughs> If you want to watch this movie, you're going to have to, to gotta go through a couple of hoops to get to it to watch it. But watch it, you should. Um, but if by some weird chance you have no idea what two, 2000s, geez, 1991's <laughs> Terminator 2 is, Andrew is here to tell you what it is exactly. A cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor must now protect her 10-year-old son, John Connor, from a more advanced and more powerful cyborg. As he goes through puberty. <laughs> Not the cyborg, um, the kid. On on screen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's actually a pretty good read. Good job, IMDb. That's actually not bad. Uh, yeah, that tells you what it is, for sure. Actually, I wrote that myself. Oh, okay, good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I do want to do this kind of up front. Right now, let's get it out of the way. Can, can we agree? Maybe, maybe we can't. Maybe we, this turns into a debate. But can we agree that the time travel aspect of these movies are kind of bad? Or, or well, why do you why do you think that? So, the first movie they send the, the in the future they send the guy back, the robot back, and then the the heroes John Connor says, "Ooh, we have to send our own dude back to help Sarah against this thing," yeah. and and so then the robots decide. 15 years later, well, we should send another one more advanced back. Why don't they send that one back to the same time so that, you know, you've got two at the same time fighting against one Jack Reese? Because it's it's a lot like the why, Tomorrow War. Why can't and they the do way, it? The way they describe um, time travel in the Tomorrow War makes sense where it's basically two boats floating along the same line. You yeah. can't... You could you could send for a certain amount of time back, but you can't send any further than than that. Yeah, Tomorrow War. I haven't watched it, but I know that it's basically like there's a wormhole at one one end and the other, and like as yeah. time flows, yeah. those are connected structurally. And you would have to think that's the way it is in this world. Is that if they can send one, then why not send 
you know, yeah. every time they decide to send one back, why don't they all go back to the same point in time? But, yeah, but exactly. I, okay. Then Were the laws ever um, explained in the later films? That's a great point. I don't think they ever uh, were. I don't know. Because, I mean, because what I was listening to the, the, I think he was in the commentary at the beginning, um, Linda Hamilton's commentary, where she's saying that, um, you know, the the, the bad guys send, uh, you know, one of their Terminators back in time. But there was a specific line which says, well, the the resurgence or whatever they're called um, were allowed to send someone back as well. So I'm like, are there rules here? Like if they send somebody, (laughs) then you have permission to send somebody to go fight them that. And I felt that that line was significant for some reason, but it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I never picked up on that, but that's interesting. It also is interesting that the robots, because I have to assume that only the Skynet uh, has access to the time machine in that, the resistance are sneaking in to use it. And in which case, right. after the first time, they should double security. It just, uh-huh. and you know what I'm saying? It just kind of feels bad. And we also have to operate under the odd idea that in this version of time travel, what happens in the past affects their timeline. As, yes. as opposed to like Back to the Future version or Avengers version, where if you go to the past... It doesn't affect your timeline. It affects a new timeline. So right. it doesn't. So even if the, the robots send back the Terminator and they, they kill John Connor, they wouldn't know that they succeeded because they would continue on. But again, I don't want to make the, this podcast about the time travel <laughs> part. I want to talk about the movie. I, I would say the, the less you think about it, the more fun you'll have watching this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. There's a reason think... why. Oh, sorry, Andrew, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think James Cameron wanted to kind of bypass that whole thing as these films were made. It's interesting, though, you say that because they do talk about it a few times. Like there's a scene with the with John and and the Terminator. They're fixing the car and he even makes mention that, oh, my God, my dad's not even born yet. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's and, and the fact that he sent somebody back to you know, basically be with his mom for one day. It's all, it's all a little weird yeah. that this 10 year old boy is talking about that. But, um, but yeah, you would think that they would forget about the rules, but they do mention it c- quite a bit. Um, I think in the first half of this, of this film. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah. and it's, and it's kind of, and it is kind of mentioned a little bit also in Terminator one. I mean, the, it, it gets into a time paradox, which again, we're going to get off this real quick. I promise. Because <laughs> um, that's not the bulk of the, the the podcast. Wants to we want to talk about the movie. I don't want to talk about the physics, but we are kind of running into the paradox, right? The time paradox. It's like the idea that that Doc Brown um, invents the time machine and then goes back in time to give himself the idea for the time machine so that he could then invent it thirty years later. Like mm, you can't yeah. have yeah. that. That loop doesn't work. It, that's the paradox, right? So like it's the same thing. In order for John to be born, his future self has to send this guy back so he can have sex with his mom so he can be born. Like that's the paradox. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, that's weird. Well, let's be let's be clear who's having sex with his mom. I, I think the way you worded that was Oh, I, yeah, I, I might have yeah, might have uh, backed myself into a bad sentence corner there. But little dangling participle or something. But anyway, my yeah. point is that Yeah. That's all. That's all weird stuff. And again, please, please don't don't listen to this 
thinking that I thought about that for more than the intro. Because once the movie started, I didn't care about that stuff anymore. I'm like, this he, is where... No, don't listen. He thought about that the whole film. <laughs> really he was didn't. biting his nails thinking about it. I didn't. I really didn't. As the, as the machines were melting at the end, he was still thinking about it. No. No, but <laughs> I will say there's a thing at the end that it did kind of... Um, because... I don't know if James Cameron meant for there to be more movies because he filmed a couple different endings and we'll, we can get into that later. But I don't, I don't know if it, he meant to. But there's there's another arm, cybernetic arm, still floating in the world now because it's still stuck right. in that machine. And I don't know if that was done on purpose or not. You know, in case Cameron was like, hmm, maybe I might want to make oh a third one. Gosh, I never even thought of that. I've seen this thing. Four or five times, and I've never thought of that. Yeah, that, that was that was a leftover scrap from uh, prop guy. I forgot to move it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay, it's, it's still there. That arm's still in that machine, and so anyway, uh, we can get into more. There's some really neat trivia about this movie. My God, is there trivia about this movie? But we can get into that <laughs> stuff later. But uh, what I am interested in is the movie itself and Sam's thoughts, and I will let him talk about it with starting with his five word review. Yeah, um, I've got two here, and um, I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, they'll tell you how exactly I feel about it. But I'm going to say um, my first one is rare sequel better than first. Yeah, yeah, amen. And then um, my second one is masterclass on action horror. Okay. And this movie, I I, I keep going back in my brain, and I cannot. Cannot quite remember my first rated R movie. I think it was a lethal weapon at a friend's house. But this Terminator 2 movie was probably the first one I was able to watch with with parental consent, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it scared the crap out of me as a kid. And and obviously a teenager at this point. It was this James Cameron, it just blows my mind how he's able to take an idea. And make it so much better. You know, he did it with, I thought he, uh, you know, aliens uh, compared to alien. And, uh, you know, and and all that. uh, Just the idea that he took in this movie where it's so tied into the first movie, right? But yet you don't really need to watch the first movie. If you hadn't, well, let's just say this. If you saw the first movie and you watched the first 10 minutes of this movie not knowing anything. That tension when the two t- uh, Terminators are going through the mall and trying to find John Connor, yeah. that was brilliant filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just, uh, it was great. Um, it does have its flaws. You know, there's some things here and there. I, I always wonder how some of the vehicles survive some of the falls that happen and, and things like that, but that's just physics. Um, but this movie is is one of my favorites from my childhood. And I still have nightmares. You know, every, you know we all have reoccurring nightmares of, of traumatic things. But uh, I still have nightmares of the apocalyptic scene, of the kids burning oh, sure. and yeah. the, uh, the yeah. ashes being tossed into the, uh, you know, I, you know it's, for some reason that is always stuck in my head. But in terms of action, in terms of uh, thriller and, and, uh, uh, pressure and intensity this movie has it all i love it it's a great movie were were you used to put out cigarettes as a child did someone <laughs> put cigarettes out on you I, on I your just, bare I chest mean, Boy, i'm not also, analyzing i, I, I just... thought that happened to all children 
Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but I was I was a very um, sheltered child uh, in terms of this type of stuff. Sure. So, um, well, I mean, I 1991, now, you were probably what, like 32 at the time, right? So <laughs> it's been a minute since I've gotten to do a good old joke. I'm glad you did it because I honestly, <laughs> while he was talking about seeing it for the first time, I was really in the back of my mind hoping that he was going to say, this was the first movie I saw in the theaters and I was going to be like, oh my God, he's old. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> did you, but seriously, Sam, did you see this like, like when it came out like on VHS or something? I mean, did we lose him? We lost him. Otherwise he, he would have had some smart ass comment about the old joke. He hung up on us. He That's was fine. tired of <laughs> Just tired of the old person jokes. He'll be back in just a second. It takes a second. Oh, he's gone, <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah, he, he he rage quit. Oh, he's rage quit. Yeah. Oh. No, I didn't rage quit, stupid <laughs> Xbox. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, no, this was not the first movie I saw in the theater. Um, <laughs> see, I could hear you guys. You just couldn't hear me. Remember, my first, my first movie in the theater was also a horror movie called... Um, Watership Down. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> now that will give you nightmares. No wonder you're having nightmares about this one. I messed up, I tell you. <laughs> it's so. like the apocalyptic scene and bunny rabbits. Like, and just, bunny rabbits ripping that, each other's flesh off. Like that just sure. puts yeah. Sam catatonic. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, every every everything I go into is is I'm expecting explosions and and bullet holes <laughs> and, um, and bunny rabbits. But that's I, what I'm you know what I for really think traumatized me it was just the death of the dad, and and the way he died uh, was was just I don't want to say which, harsh. Which dad? But it the um the programmer the, the guy who was okay. studying the uh, yeah yeah you know because he's a dad and he did nothing wrong, and I mean he just got blasted uh, in several ways, but well, um yeah I I always felt bad. For the guy, uh, yeah, I felt bad for him because the cops killed him. Yeah, you know, it's like the cops yeah. shot him up. I mean, so when he dies and the bomb goes off, he doesn't feel it because he's already dead, which is a bummer. I'm yeah. just saying, like, like it's a bummer that he had to live through all that pain towards the end. Yeah. So, and the cops in this movie love showering bullets oh everywhere. Gosh. It's <laughs> it's I mean, amazing everywhere. that they didn't accidentally set that C4 off beforehand. <laughs> With with how much just random gunfire there was, it's, it's, right? it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Also, uh, the one thing that bothered me this time, and it, only because I've gotten a little bit more gun conscious, um, was the uh, the shotgun shots that the liquid Terminator was taking. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would have expected some of them to be a little, I don't know, I don't want to say bigger, but it would have blown a bigger hole. Um, in him, or at least the scattered shot would would create a bunch well, of tiny little holes. Yeah, everywhere. I don't. I think they were probably aiming for it was all slugs on purpose because I would think scattered shot would be too hard to to CGI in '91. Yeah, yeah, probably. God, it's hard to think. But that uh, wouldn't have made a dent, huh? I know, but '91. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're we're like what right. six months away from from Jurassic Park, right? I mean, like this is cutting edge technology still. Yeah. For the time. Well, wasn't this uh, one of the first CGIs with the the liquid? I mean, I know Abyss was out there, 
Yeah. Um, before this, and that's what Cameron got the idea for. Yeah, these are. This was this was the Dennis Muren test. So yep. he, I, I think they he started first with young Sherlock Holmes. So the yep. um the window the night stained glass. Yep. Yeah. Then he went through a whole bunch of like morphing technology with with Willow. Then the abyss was the big test. And yeah. since that worked out, that gave him the job for Terminator 2. Yeah. And then, of course, after Terminator 2, he's working on this walking cycle for Steve. Well, I don't think he was actually doing it for Steven Spielberg, but he had something. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that it was just it was it was a series of tests for him to get to that point where you finally had that photo reel uh, yeah. character that could, you know, withstand scrutiny. And I think <laughs> it was Terminator 2 that really... I mean, I was blown away again, watching it and having watched it about a hundred times. I mean, you, you pay attention to certain things that you normally don't and the reflections on the, the T2 yep. as it's transforming, the, um, the pilots, you know, things that are happening. Yeah. Helicopter is yeah. that, is awesome. it, but yeah. the point where the, the twin, um, sorry, the, the cop, the redhead cop, he gets the, you know, jabbed in the eye. And uh, there's the Pepsi machine or the coffee machine behind him. But you can see everything that's in the background reflected on the T2 as he's transforming. And I was watching all of the transformations to see what kind of background was 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 behind her and what they were doing. And I mean, you had to have created that 3D world at least or know what was happening so that you could see those reflections. It was it was more than just morphing, you know, some silver goo into a human being the technology was unbelievable and 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 the fact that it was that convincing that you never really thought about it and it was yeah it just absolutely brilliant well and they didn't have photo you know nowadays on photoshop you can mask something and you can you know you can bend things like you know very very easily but back then there was no such thing and the idea the idea to come up with how to do it always blows my mind. I, uh, I often do think about if movies, you know, and I know that they're still making Terminator films and, you know, there are some more recent ones, but I often think about if they had had the technology we have today when they made, uh, you know, the first Terminator or RoboCop or or some of these <laughs> movies that have really bad, uh, yeah. you know, graphics at, at some point, I wonder what it would look like now. Well, yeah. I think we do have an idea because those films are so crappy now, right? The remakes of RoboCop and all oh, these yeah. new Terminator. Nothing yeah. ever matches. And I'm not I'm not a guy who's like anti-CGI because I think there's a place for it and it really works. But just there's there's a time and a place for it. And I think well, that what's so great about T2 is that not only are the CGI special effects incredible, but I mean, it's all of the practical work, everything that's right. in camera, yep. in the frame. There's no bull crap. There's no, you know, CGI explosions or anything. There's, you know, the, the blanks, real explosions. There's real guns. There's just, there's real stunts. And I hope we get to that helicopter uh, oh stunt later on the show. Yeah. That's Holy insanity. Crap. But yeah. that would be CGI now, and it wouldn't be as impressive. You'd look and go, yeah, all right, I, I, I get it. But, I mean, you look at that now, and you're like, that's a real dude in a real chopper <laughs> going underneath the freeway. And you're like, what in the hell is going on? And so that's what I think is also impressive about this is because it it feels like a, a real action film with real stuff happening that then translates into you as the audience member thinking, oh, my God, this could actually happen. Yeah, it feels like real world in, exactly. in a very real sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and I think that the, the big comparison you can make here in terms of what CGI can do is, is you know, obviously comparing the prequels of Star Wars to the J.J. Yes. Abrams stuff. And even though the story sucks and, and all that sort of stuff, it still feels so much better when it's real, when it's there, and, and, and when it feels lived in. And I think these movies back then really did feel lived in uh, because they had to. They had no choice. They yeah. had to come up with creative ways to... Uh, to do uh, the, the special effects. But this, you know, obviously Jurassic Park came in a little bit after this and, and just shocked the world at what you could do with animation in terms of uh, reality, making it look real. This was, this was something else. This was, uh, you know, this is, I'm sure there was a lot of young filmmakers that saw this and saw potential um or what they could do with with the, it. The, the, yeah, the, and no. you know, and you know, what's really interesting is that even at the beginning of this movie, there is no CGI. I mean, when you see the similar scene, I'm not sure which movie it is in. They do another. They do kind of like a remake of the opening sequence with the um, with the future war, um, mm -hmm. and 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 all the uh, the the Terminators all are all CGI and they're all moving fluidly, and it just doesn't <laughs> seem right. No, right, but at least in yeah. this in this sequence, you got you got miniatures, you've got um, Stan Winston's incredible Terminators, you got a yeah. great design, great stunts, real vehicles. It's all there again. That backs up my point from earlier, yeah. but it's just no. There's no CGI, with the exception of maybe the lasers, and that's about it. And that's you know, not even really CGI either. The, and just... I think the the herky jerkiness of it makes mm. it almost feel. It's more, in my opinion it's more terrifying, you know, because yeah. it's it not human. feels yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's exactly. very otherworldly. It's, it's exactly. Foreign, yeah. And they're robots for God's sake. Of course they're going to be yeah. a little herky jerky. Now I will say this as, as much love as I yeah. want to give that opening sequence, it did look like something out of 1984. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean you're saying, My, like, you know, it, watching this uh, again, it's been a little while. I, I did notice one thing in those opening sequences there are a ton of skulls on the ground. Oh my gosh! Yes, like like where are all these skulls coming? <laughs> were, from? were there just were like, there like is this a concert that, yeah. that D Day happened on or something? Exactly. And, <laughs> and are they rolling over all these skulls? I just, I mean, it looks cool. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, holy cow! There must have been thousands of people just standing in this one location. Either that, or like for some reason the robots decided that this was going to be the burial ground, and then this is where yeah, the humans the murder thought, pile. Yeah, this the is murder pile. Yeah, this is the murder pile, and then the humans were like, we should, we'll, we'll avenge all of our dead soldiers by dying here. Also, I don't know. I mean, it made for a cool shot when you know him, him stepping yeah. on the skull oh, and, and whatever. I guess the robot stepped on the skull, not him, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was still, it was still pretty neat. I don't know. I've only, so I've only seen. I guess I haven't really asked this question. I know that this is not the first time viewing for any of us, but this uh -huh. is only my probably legit second viewing all the way oh, through wow. from front uh, to oh. back. Now I've seen, wow. I've probably seen bits and pieces over the years to say that I've seen this about four times. And yeah. wait, you saw this? You saw the TV version of this, right? Is that yeah. what you said earlier? Yeah. I don't think I've seen the full unedited version oh, ever. Sean. It's kind of like watching Ghostbusters without the... Uh, yes, oh my gosh. You know, mm -hmm. look, seeing the TV version of Ghostbusters versus mm -hmm. the real thing. I know. That's exa exactly it. Go back and listen to that episode, everybody. Because <laughs> Sean learns a whole new story about Ghostbusters <laughs> that I never know existed. No, so I've, this is only probably my second time from front to end. 
I do remember um, Dad either rented it or bought it. I think he rented it uh, from Blockbuster. And mm-hmm. I remember him calling me downstairs. Uh, that's where the, the kind of our media room was downstairs. And he said, you need to watch this scene. And I got to watch just the uh, Schwarzenegger with the minigun shooting up the cop car scene. Because there's no violence in it. It's all, you know what I'm saying? He's just shooting He's an animal. not killing anybody. Right. And there's no That's swearing. Right. It's just, but it was a cool shot. And the yes. stuff's exploding and stuff. And dad goes, okay, no, leave. But like, it was. <laughs> um, but dad. Yeah, then, the, then, the, then the good guy police come into the room and, and shoot up the innocent father. Oh, so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, I, Sam, you were talking in your, your five word, your, your five word review. I thought was perfect. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with anything you said in your kind of synopsis there. I mean, this movie is, it's iconic for, for many reasons. And I also agree. And it, you said it, uh, best, uh, uh, one of the best sequels ever or something like that. And uh, we've not done that top three. That would have been an interesting top three to do where the yeah. sequel is better than the original. I know we'd have a lot of overlap. But and, uh, and now, don't get me wrong. I still love the original. I just think it's yeah. There's nothing wrong with the original. I yeah. mean, it's like saying you like you think Empire Strikes Back is better than Star Wars. That yeah. you know, which yeah. I I do. I think Empire is a better film than Star Wars. But I still love you know A New Hope. Uh, I think a new exactly. Hope. Yeah. So nothing wrong with that. Just like now I do have. What, can I can I do one nitpick though? Oh, before I, we go on to to somebody else's five yeah, word. Yeah. Sound, in terms of. One in particular uh, sound effect, and that is any time the liquid T2 gets hit, it makes this slapping sound. Yeah. And I I couldn't help but laugh because it just sounds really, really silly. Yeah. It didn't right? fit. It, yeah, it didn't quite fit the, you know, the the atmosphere, I guess, of, of what it is. And, and it just, it was a little too much. I, I don't know what I would have replaced it with. You know, I hate to, to give a critique without a a uh, response, uh, but it just didn't sound right to me. Um, Do you know what made the sound? I'm guessing, I don't know, a slap on water or something? Well, here's the quote from the the sound designer who won an Oscar for this movie. He says, it turns out... (laughs) Thank you for sticking that in. (laughs) Actually, actually he won won two Oscars for this movie. Uh, Sound editing and sound design. It's okay. two different categories. Um, so <laughs> this is this is what he had to so say. I'm so I'm an Oscar winner. Oh lord. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it's it's hilarious though, and it's a <laughs> actually a 75 cent sound effect. Yeah. Um, it turns out that if you hold a can of dog food upside down, the sound of that <laughs> cylinder slowly coming out of the can is the perfect combination of mud, metal, and suction, and that's the sound of the metal. Well, hang in there. Hold on. <laughs> nice. Well, you stole my you stole a piece of my my trivia, but that was oh, the sorry. um. <laughs> All right, so let's. Well, I, I, yeah. No, no, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna stay here because this is where we are. So here we go for the sound of the T one thousand passing through the metal bars, which I yeah. captured that sound by the way. Yeah, that yeah. is him. He in they took the audio, inverted it of him opening a can of dog food of wet dog food, yep. um, and then recorded the closed pack food as it goozed out slowly. Uh, jokingly, jokingly state that you said this that they spent six million on special offense, uh, special effects, and I spent thirty five cents on a can of dog food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got it. Like the, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's like that's, the, that's like the toilet sliding uh, 
sound for the Ark of the Covenant and Raiders. So <laughs> now you know that. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun yep. things like that. Um, yeah, and but, I, I love that sort of stuff. I mean, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, but do, doing sound myself as well, um, I find those that type of trivia just so much fun. And I've captured sounds myself that, I mean, you wouldn't believe where I found the sound from. And I find that that's the that's the most fun of anything <laughs> is putting sounds to the picture and trying to sure. find out different ways of doing that. But yeah, the, now that you know that's a can well, of dog food, it's, it's tough to go back well, and do that. <laughs> well, it's a Sam to specifically to your point for the sound of yep. the bullets striking the T one thousand. Inverted glass was slammed into a container of yogurt, which created that sound of hard edge and goop. Interesting. So that's okay. all. That was all part of that same piece of trivia. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about doing sound and you know, kind of having to come up with what you got. Um, one of the few times that I got to do sound design was for the pilot of that terrible TV show I did, and <laughs> right. and I actually had to do some it's interesting thing so like there was a shot it's an establishing shot right it's just a camera outside the house we're just establishing that we're now at the kid's house and while we were just filming the shot a car drove by and that was the take they used but I didn't record audio of a car driving by so when I went into my sound files I didn't have just the sound of a car the closest thing I had to it was uh, like a NASCAR car like this really loud (laughs) You know this really loud thing, and so <laughs> I I did well, the only thing I could think to do is uh, because this is before the time where I could take a quick you know like my phone or a quick recorder and go out to the street and just record the sound of a car driving by, so I took the sound of that NASCAR car as it drove by at 150 and I slowed <laughs> it down and stretched mm. it out and then got rid of all the low end so it just made a kind of sound as the car drove by so. <laughs> You know, like you just got to make, you, know, you got to do what you got to do. I didn't Absolutely. win an Oscar for that. Yeah. You use your own voice. You, you do anything and anything to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Man, I would love to do to do a sound for like a, like oh, a, yeah. like a real project, you know, yeah. not the shit yeah. that I did. Um, but anyway. I hear you. Andrew, please enlighten us with your five word review. All right. So I have two actually and and. As usual, one is not five, it's six. Actually, no, it's seven. I can't count. All right, so I'll start with the first one, which is best of the Terminator series. Yeah, yeah I yeah, agree. Definitely. Yeah. I'm over here nodding, forgetting that I'm not on camera. Yeah, you're not on camera anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, admittedly, I have not seen, I, I have seen, let's see, one, two, and three, and then I saw Genesis, but that's all I've seen. I haven't seen Salvation or uh, Dark, Dark Fate. Fate. Okay. But, yeah, I don't uh, think I've seen Dark Fate yet. Yeah, I have, I've heard that Dark Fate, Fate destroyed is the whole about the first thing. five minutes. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. But the rest uh, of it's not very good. And then my other uh, five-word review, which is actually seven, best first act in an action movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, from the beginning, this is thrills from the you know from the get-go and it just like you said uh, like i think sean said this in the mall that scene whether or maybe sammy said i don't remember who said it but whoever uh whoever said it was right on target this if if you had or hadn't seen the first one uh either way it's it's an intense scene but if you hadn't seen the first one and you have no idea what's about to happen you actually and i think james cameron did this purposefully 
to make us believe that the uh, the T one hundred or T one thousand, sorry, is the good guy, and yeah. uh, and it actually there's a flip that happens when the T one thousand kills that cop, uh, or the uh, maybe it wasn't a cop kills the uh, the guy that was kind of in between John Connor and and the Terminator there, um, and that's the first on screen death of this film is this innocent bystander that's just stuck between them. And that's when you really, I think for the first time know that, all right, he's, he's the villain in this. And I think that's brilliant writing and, and just the action throughout this whole film is done really, really well. And not to drag on, but the fact that a lot of this is not CGI and that it is real, um, really means a lot like flipping a, a, 18 wheeler you know in in <laughs> yeah. real life uh jumping a, a a tow truck off of a bridge in real life that that is just it's not done anymore for either insurance purposes or expense purposes it's all cgi now and it just feels so much more real as you watch this uh and i love this this action movie probably I would say more than some of the more recent things that we've seen. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just well-made and I think that it still holds up in a lot of ways. Um, uh, yeah. and you know, when I first watched this a long time ago, I don't remember when it was, but I kind of thought John Connor was this whiny little brat. Um, but now that I watch it, I, I really see the, the inner story of this kid has no, nobody, like uh, the scene where his his mom or where he, he thinks that she's giving him a hug and really she's just checking for bullet holes. Um, you know, you see him actually embrace and then you realize that she's just checking to make sure he's OK and not gotten shot. And I, I was just sitting there thinking he doesn't have a mother like this is his mother, but he it just shows that there's such a disconnect with her that there's no parental figures no. in his life. And the Terminator becomes that father that he never had. And to mm-hmm. piggyback off that thought specifically, it's also really interesting. I think that uh, the the John Connor character has to take care of his mom several mm-hmm. times. You know, like he has to yeah. rescue her from the hospital and, and kind of snap her out of her delusion. He has to rescue her from herself at the guy's house. He has to stop the bullet wound. You know, like... He's taking care of her way more than she takes care of him in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's an interesting point because you see in this first act, you know, both of them want to get to each other. Um, You know, Sarah wants to get to her son and he wants to get to her. And you think that it's like this, um, like they're feeling the exact same things, right? It's the mother-son relationship. And I'm assuming that they, they had one and that's what I thought but she's just there to protect him because she needs to protect him for the sake of the world. Right. But he wants that genuine motherly um, relationship. And you know, the the, the sad, one of the saddest things, saddest shots is when he asks his mom, whether she wants some of his fries and she's just chomping on her hamburger, staring straight out. And she doesn't even say anything. That's the weird thing. It's not even, she didn't even respond to him and he's just, he's so he just wants that. He wants something. He wants a father, a mother, just one of them. So that when he's crying, 
at the end of the first action sequence. And and you're right, he's looking for that embrace, that motherly embrace, that motherly care. What I like about this screenplay, and more so than any other action film, is that there are genuine emotions involved, and you feel for these characters. And that's what makes a really good action film a good action film. It's not just the explosions. The moment you get a chance to actually feel for these people, and on top of that, see a whiny brat kid have a complete <laughs> arc... Right, because mm-hmm. yeah. he yeah. turns into somebody who you sympathize with, and yeah. I think that's again James Cameron is not really known for like the greatest screenplays in the world, but this one I think is 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 quite tight, and there's a lot more going on in the story than a lot of people give the film credit for, even though it's close to being absolutely perfect. But not a lot of people talk about those those little moments that really make you genuinely uh, care for the people and the film itself. Uh-huh. And yeah. and what I love in in this screenplay is just how it piggybacks on the first movie, mm-hmm. right? It's it's yeah. not just yeah. a complete news story, it's that Sarah Connor is completely traumatized by her experiences in the first movie. It's that um, you know even in the the first part where you think Arnold Schwarzenegger is the bad guy, right? If you didn't know, you would have thought so because you saw the first movie, right? And, and it's just the ideas and the you know, they use the, the arm and the chip from the, the, the guy in the front. It just, it's, it's just so well done that it expands this world, of the, the Terminator world, without going in, in crazy directions. And I just, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I think the exposition is, hell, is, is, is done quite tastefully. Um, they tell you a lot of information. Um, yeah. right at the top of this movie, but it doesn't seem forced. And and what's so great about this is that you don't even have to see the first film to understand what in the world's happening in no. the second one. You can just show up, yeah. but every single piece of expo- exposition is done expertly. And and it doesn't feel like, you know, for instance, the, the photographs of uh, the Terminator from 1984, and then, hey, here's where he is in the mall, you know, a couple of days ago. And yeah. that just tells you a whole entire story. But then, it, of course, it reflects to what Sarah Connor's feeling because, you know, oh my God, he's back. And yep. so, but and I mean, every trapped, little, right? Yeah, and, and you got exactly. Yeah. So you don't yeah. really have to know that she was a frail teenager in the first one to understand what she's going through now. And I really like the way that the screenplay is structured, that it keeps it interesting with all the action and everything, um, you know, working in, in beats. But as I said, the exposition going back to, telling you what has happened in the first film into this second film, make it seem organic, I think is masterfully done. Yep. Agree. Totally. And I do like her flip from the first movie, you know, Mm -hmm. in that first movie, she's, she's really the, the victim and the, the helpless, you know, uh, character that, that needs to find a way out rather than fighting back. And in this one, she in, in a way is kind of the terminator, in this movie, <laughs> right? She know? had to turn herself into one, right? Cause she yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like another yeah. character, uh, archetype, Sam, that we just watched recently. Oh, what was that? Oh, I know it's the old version of Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 2018. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. Only this movie did it way better. The one thing I'll say that I, I to kind of, again, to piggyback on the, 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 the really well done writing as well as, you know, if you if you watch the first movie and then you watch this movie kind of back to back, and you don't know, you've never seen a trailer, and back then in the '90s, trailers didn't show you half the movie, so no. you wouldn't have known that Arnold is the the hero. So as you're watching this again, we've we've talked about it. They, 
you're not sure who's on whose side until there's a certain moment. But one thing that's really kind of clever is that they leave you some breadcrumbs. And one of the breadcrumbs simply is that Arnold, when he takes the clothes at the biker bar, he doesn't kill anyone. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he wounds them pretty, pretty violently, but he doesn't, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a, a stiletto blade to the shoulder seems kind of painful to that guy, uh, especially yeah. since he's like stuck to the pool table. But he, you know, like when the guy at the end with the shotgun, all, all Schwarzenegger does is just take his glasses, which I thought was, you know, kind of cool because the original Terminator would have would killed him also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I like those little breadcrumbs. Uh, and that scene, and that scene could have been played totally different if it wasn't handled right. Like the comedic moment at that point, you know, bad to the bone, and start playing. You're like, oh my god, where is this film going? Yeah, right? and you I, see him on the bike, and he's all cool. And I'm like, I loved it, honestly. But I mean, <laughs> if you think that, if you, I mean, think about the jokes that didn't land in number three. You know, talk to the hand, and then him putting the 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 what was the heart sunglasses on his face. It's just like, oh man, you guys are trying way too hard. But at yeah. least this, this it this I could imagine having to you know edit this before anybody's seen it and going, is this gonna work? Are people gonna get it? And I mean, I think tonally it was fantastic. It was absolutely yeah. brilliant. And then you're then that's where you're questioning yourself. You're like, wait, hold on a minute. Uh, I thought he was the bad guy. And yeah, that's what I, I think that that was handled really well. And, and to, to, you know, go off on that, that the humor is handled really well in this movie as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think any joke is off gratuitous or doesn't, or doesn't land or gratuitous. Yeah. I think it's yeah, all yeah. natural into the, the conversation that everybody's having in the film. I'll agree. I, I guess if I was going to have a nitpick, Sam had a nitpick earlier. The only nitpick I'd really have, is I didn't like the Bad to the Bone song. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was too on the nose. Because I'm, I'm watching it, and again, I'm watching the, uh, the, the very PG version on AM, for AMC. But I'm watching it, and then that song comes on, I thought, did this just turn into a Saturday afternoon movie? Like, what just happened? Yeah, you know, like, yeah like, that does kind of take it For out me, it, that lowered it down to uh, something that Michael Bay would do or something. I don't know. I just... Yeah, but but see, the, it's it's the song selection that I think you're worried about. You know, we we've seen that used in other movies now. You know, in the last thirty years, to to make it cheesy. But at I just I was, I think see, it like works we fine didn't have this. any. Now again, the, the, there was probably zero budget in the first movie to do anything other than what that movie needed mm-hmm. it to do. Because I think we talked about how that budget was like super tight and how they were having yeah. to cheat all over the place. This one, he's got a little bit more budget. And so he can do these kind of things, obviously, with, you know, the CGI and whatnot. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, there's no other time in any other moment in the in the Terminator franchise that has a song like this happening. Now, there's there's licensed music that's happening in the background. Like, there's, like there's a song playing when they're at the arcade or when she's at the dance in the first Terminator. Like, there's licensed music. But this was... This was for us, the audience, right? This wasn't for the actors in the room, the characters mm-hmm. in the room. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't environmental. This was for us, and it was to it was a punchline. It was meant to be a punchline, <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. rolled my eyes. I thought because to me <laughs> that gave it away that he's the hero, mm-hmm. right? Like I even because 
here's something funny to think about. And I like, this is the stuff that I think about. No, Andrew, I didn't think about the time travel part. This is what I actually thought about. Schwarzenegger <laughs> is walking around with this box in his, in his hand, right? Uh, be- before he opens it up to find out that it's a box of roses that he pulls the shotgun out of. So the first Terminator would not have cared to hide it. He would have been walking around with the gun out in the open. He wouldn't have cared. But in this one, he hides it. So that means that he had to go to a flower shop and buy a box of roses. Or so, steal them. So I, I love the idea. Well, I'm just assuming that he had money because he took it from the biker gang. He probably took that oh, guy's wallet. He was in the, his pants. And so he had cash. And so I just love the idea of him walking up <laughs> saying, I need roses in a box for a gift. Like, I love the idea that there's a deleted... I need a dozen flowers. Yeah. <laughs> I love the... Like, I want that deleted scene, you know, <laughs> of, of him buying the flowers so that, he could, so that he could then have the cool reveal later because the reveal is super cool. It's such a great thing. But, it, mm-hmm. but I think, like, the bad to the bone lessens that reveal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But... Okay. I, I, I also think... Yeah. Yeah, I also think editing could have been different, um, but the editing here gives it away. Um, and I think that there could have been an aspect with uh, the T-1000 where you didn't see him attack the cop. And uh, and I assume he stabs him in the gut, although you're still not 100% We're not sure not really he sure, does. But yeah. I think that if you wanted to make that a, hmm, who's on what side and, 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 and whatnot, is to have the T-1000 maybe just steal a cop car and not have to deal with anybody else and then sort of make him seem like the good guy and then re-edit the other sequence and 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 have the T eight hundred you know do some horrible stuff not kill anybody but sort of you know what I mean so in editing I think the editing already gives it away um, but again I'm not sure about the marketing because I remember the the original teaser trailer which was directed by uh, James Cameron himself and it was really amazing but I don't remember the like the 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 actual trailers itself whether it did give away. Any like did it have the you know um, come with me if you want to live line or whatnot? So I'm not sure what was given away. But then again, if you're coming into this fresh, I'm just wondering whether that kind of the 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 relationship, the dynamic has already been given away because of the editing. I want to yeah. say I saw a, a line item um, where he had a, a teaser uh, directed by it might even been Stan Winstead. I'm not 100 percent sure, yeah. but it was like a year before the movie. Air yeah. that was basically just the the T2s being or the the T1000s. I it, was guess. The, yes. it was the T on an assembly line. No, it was the yes. T800s or the T T800s. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, T800s. Yeah. Yeah. It was like an assembly line of Schwarzeneggers, like being rolled out. Like I think from what I remember reading, because the, like the idea was that we're trying to insinuate that there are more coming, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I think is a really cool idea. I just I love teasers back when they were really good teasers. My my dad told me this. Uh, he said the one of the coolest teasers he ever saw was the teaser for Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Mm. And literally, it was a black screen with just that note rhythm, the bum, 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 right? And then all it yeah. said was, we are not alone. That was it. Yeah. And then it yeah. would, And then it just said coming summer of... 89 or whatever year it came out. But I just love that. I love, I love, I love like true teasers. 
mm-hmm. like like true teasers. I mean, again, I've I've said this on the show a dozen times. My favorite teaser of all time was it was the beginning of Iron Man, um, in in two thousand eight, and it was the teaser for the new Star Trek. And all it was was these construction workers, these sweaty dudes, you know, arc welding, and you don't really know what's going on. And you hear um, like dialogue, like John F. Kennedy talking about how we're going to go to space. And then the camera finally pans back and see that they're working on the unfinished saucer section of the Enterprise. And then you get mm-hmm. a little bit of the um, Alexander Courage theme. And then it just said summer of 20, uh, 2009. I lost my mess in the Iron Man uh, in the theater that day because I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that that was even happening so that was that was cool anyway um well we're a good hour into the podcast Eric you want to give us your five word review <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even done mine yet either uh, did we begin the show already <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah I, I wrote two things down um I'm gonna have to check this one though I'm gonna put an asterisk beside it which was James Cameron the sequel specialist um, the reason I say that I have to put an asterisk beside it because um, I forgot that he directed Piranha Two: The Spawning, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're well, still not sure what's going to happen with Avatar Two. But I mean, with Aliens and T Two um, under his belt, I, I I think he does a pretty good job with uh, with a continuation of a story. <laughs> and the other one was uh, quite simply uh, best sequel action film ever made okay. yeah uh yeah okay. i'm thinking i had to think about that and i'm like what could be better and i was thinking maybe mad max fury road but even that i didn't care as much as i did with terminator 2 i have watched terminator 2 like dozens and dozens of times and i think i've seen fury road maybe twice um the rewatchability factor of terminator 2 is is very 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 high sure oh, yeah. and um but i can recall first seeing this uh in my grade 10 animation class and at that time and i i i never really saw r-rated movies and i'm 14 at that time i mean i didn't even get a chance to see total recall so when my animation teacher brought this and he's like there's three things i want you guys to see and it really it was practical he was showing us animation and so we got to see three great scenes from this film and i'm like man what is this thing and so my best friend at the time he uh, invited me over to his house and he had just rented the vhs copy of uh, terminator 2 and we watched this on like a small 20 inch you know tube television and uh i still felt the power of this movie and it was really one of the first like real r-rated adults Mm -hmm only action film and it just knocked me you know through the back of well i would say the theater but i didn't get to see the see it in the theater i still haven't seen it in the theater um <laughs> but yeah um i knew i had to own it i knew i had to watch it over and over again and this was one of those uh, like at the time i didn't have a lot of movies in my collection but it was like this robin hood prince of thieves i had jaws um, Indiana Jones Back to the Future and those ones were always on a continuous uh, loop and I've watched this movie more times than I can probably count and uh, still to this day and again watching it last night I am amazed every time I see it and I always see something new and I always pay attention to something new and uh, I can't highly I can't recommend this film um, high enough 
And uh, if we are going to talk about it, I, I still think it contains one of the best all electronic scores of all time, even though <laughs> uh, the samples that uh, Fidel uses are are all organic. So it's um it's an interesting hybrid score, but I think it's absolutely fantastic. Everything about this uh, just works. The score does does well hiding in terms of it, it's in the back. It doesn't overpower what you're what you're seeing. Right. Um, yeah, a there's way. a few times, you know, where the dun 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 dun, dun you know, comes out. But it's it, we need that. Right. It's, well, <laughs> that's, I think, that's what yeah, we want to hear. It's, yeah. You always yeah. need a call back to the theme for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's. um it's really interesting to to dive in and and see the actual process and the creation of the score. I mean, because he had absolutely no money for the first movie, <laughs> but what he managed to accomplish for this one, I just I mean, crafting something that is different but not for different sake. It really is a part of everything in this movie. It works brilliantly with the sound design, but it's really just a part of this universe. You'll never hear another score uh, like it but it's also full of emotion. It's musically really wonderful and as well as thematically rich. Um, and you wouldn't really know that, but there are like leitmotifs and themes and things for all the characters in the movie. And it's really a, a very accomplished score that it, there aren't a lot of people praise the first one, but it's the second one I think is where Fidel really, really uh, turned it on and did a, a masterful job with the music. Awesome. Yeah, love the music. I also kind of like the idea that they didn't, they didn't change, like you said that it's an electronic score, and that's the, what they did for the first one. And I kind of like the idea that they didn't change the tone, the style, the motif from the first one to this one. Because if it would have been just all full orchestra, I think it would have felt yes, a little would have felt wrong. Yeah, felt, well, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, they it were considering. Yeah, they were considering uh, taking the the score that he had written and the the mock-ups that he was putting together and recording it with a live orchestra. It wouldn't have sounded the same. And there is a video online where someone has taken um, uh, the Spit, Spitfire um, creates a whole bunch of samples for for composers and sounds almost like like a real orchestra. And they put it into this sample library to make it sound like a ninety-piece orchestra was playing it, and it. As much as it's really neat to hear the music as if it was played organically, there is just something about what Fidel did with the samples. And again, taking really crude samples back from like 1991, but the way he processed them and pitched them down to create something unique. So for instance, that that kind of horn sound that you hear, that real low horn sound for the T-1000, um, it's, it's a trumpet. It's just like a real quick trumpet, but he has pitched it down and stretched it so much that it has this sound and it just keeps going. It almost sounds like a broken uh, dishwasher, but it, uh, but that's kind of what Fidel had to do with what he had in order to make, uh, you know, like I said, a, a, a trumpet sample sounds so sinister. And he did that with all of the, the sounds in this score. And it's, it's incredible stuff. I, I wonder if he could just use some of my some of my students that are struggling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I have great students. 
<laughs> yeah, you're, you're at a new school. You don't want to, you know, put them down too hard. Well, too do you quick. think um, it, it's been a long time since I've seen the third or fourth Terminator movie? Didn't they do more orchestral work yeah. in those? I don't know yeah. about three. And, and maybe that's and... why it doesn't feel quite right. Well, yeah, they like Beltrami scored the third one, and that's the first time we really got a electronic orchestral hybrid mm-hmm. score. And I mean, look, just, there is a brilliant piece of music at the end of uh, that film where you finally see all the nuclear weapons firing. Mm-hmm. It's an it's an incredible piece of music that Beltrami wrote. But there is just something, there is something missing. And even though you have a giant ninety piece orchestra playing it, um, and 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 you have those raw, unique emotions from real players playing, there is just something about the uniqueness of the sounds that Fidel created that it really cannot be replicated with the orchestra with the exception of one track that I, I have listened to. And it's an incredible arrangement of the theme. Um, Eric Kunzel recorded something with the Cincinnati pops orchestra, and it is the best version of the Terminator theme I have ever heard. But besides that, I think that the, the kind of lo-fi version just works for one and two and you know elfman tried to amp it up with salvation um i think it was um junkie xl was on dark fate and i'm trying to think of all the other composers uh, lauren balf was on one of them and it just doesn't sound they almost sound generic really generic compared to the uniqueness of what fidel created for one and two like canned music like uh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or they're trying too hard to kind of make it bigger and they don't have to. You don't yeah. have to. And that's the thing. Fidel realized that. I mean, he was he he created this score, I think, essentially in his garage. And he's like, here I am working on a hundred million dollar picture, and I'm working <laughs> on my 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 little sampler here on my computer in my garage. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so yeah. I mean, and really it doesn't matter where you get it done, as long as yeah. you get it done right. Yeah, it, I, I really think of uh, like uh, Michael Giacchino with the uh, or Giacchino, however you say his name, uh, yeah, with with the uh, redoing of the Star Trek themes. You know, yeah. he he didn't pervert them in any way. He added to them, of course, and did his own, you know, original things with it. But the essence was still there, and it didn't take away from the film. Yeah, I agree. I will say I, I was chuckling earlier, Sam, when you were talking about you know kind of going back to the theme, but that the the music wasn't overwhelming. Uh, I'm I'm chuckling because the last time you and I spoke on a podcast was not for this one. We were we were guesting on uh, a surprise <laughs> episode that's going to come out later for somebody else. I don't know if I can talk about it or not, but anyway, um, yeah. we did the Halloween movies back to back. You and I watched Halloween, the original, uh, the sixty. Uh, eight version and then the 2018 version. 78, right? So, oh, 78. Thank you. You're right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's 40 years. Uh, the, the 78 version. So, like, all of those movies are is that electronic theme over yeah. and over and over again, which we, we talked about. So, you're not wrong to say that this movie, the score just supports it as opposed to being a character, whereas in those movies, that the score is a character. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is a character. You're right. That's exactly it. And it meshes perfectly also with the sound design, which is also a character. And we were talking about this uh, just before the show began, that I thought the, um, the, the the heartbeat sound 
um, of the the T eight hundred. It's kind of like a a bass note in a in a church bell again pitched down. I thought that was part of the score. I thought that's what Fidel came up with, but no, it's part of the sound design, and you hear it throughout, and and it sounds musical, but you're yeah. but you're like, oh my god! So are we supposed to be hearing his heartbeat, or are they telling us something else, or are they doing something that really hasn't been done, where there is a manipulation between where there is like uh, yeah between music and, and 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 the sound design? You're not really sure where one begins and one ends, and I was blown away by that. And I literally found out about that about an hour ago or an hour before we started recording from a good friend of mine who knows a lot more about film than I do. But I had no idea that it was the sound design team that came up with that sound. And it's really um, prevalent in uh, the scene where the T-800 comes out of the the elevator and just scares the bejesus out of uh, Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. And you hear that that sound, that heartbeat. And it is it is the, uh, the what do they call it, um, uh, electronic heartbeat? Maybe that's what it was. But that it was done on purpose so that you're, you're, you're hearing the, I guess, the, the life signs of the T-800, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. But like I said, it sounds musical. It sounds like something that yeah. Fidel would do. And I'm sure that many people would credit him for those sounds, but it wasn't. It was the sound design team, which I thought this just it blew my mind. I also have to piggyback on that in terms of Sarah Connor's face mm. um, when she first sees him is she does such a great job emoting just pure terror and uh, and the idea of everything is now lost, right? Like she yeah. was helpless against this killing machine. And uh, I just, that's amazing. Amazing, amazing scene. Yep. Good stuff. Okay, so I'll do <laughs> so my uh, five-word review. What have we done? Have you done yours yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew... And, and we're done. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew had six we're words. We're time there, Sean. Uh, Andrew had six. I only have four, so we're evening it out. Okay. Um, and I simply wrote Arnold Schwarzenegger at his best. Yeah. Well, I guess that is five words. If you... You just say Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Schwarzenegger at his best. There we go. There you go. Um, yeah, where he doesn't have to say a whole lot. He doesn't say a lot. They actually did a breakdown. So he only has, I think, like 700 words total that he says in the whole movie. And I think they broke it down that he he made like $20,000 a word or something like that. <laughs> How nice is that? And one of the other great parts was that he was he was, he was was struggling with some of the... Um, the 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 dialogue to well no he was struggling to remember the dialogue of some of the the kind of the techno babble about cyberdyne and the I can't remember but it's when he's telling they're driving and he's mm-hmm. telling Sarah Connor about the the whatever he couldn't remember his lines so they literally just taped it to the windshield of the car <laughs> <laughs> so, um, whatever works that's all I gotta yeah. say as long as it's not in the shot whatever right exactly <laughs> that's just too funny uh, honestly I don't really have much else to say that hasn't already kind of been said uh, in the uh, in the in the your show here the the movie is just like I said it's only my second time all the way through and it's I mean it's so good I mean the nitpicks I have on it I, I think are not even enough to really matter uh, so to speak, um, we've talked several times about how the stunts and the, the the practical effects are very practical. I think it's really interesting that probably around the Matrix, we went um, 
What am I hearing? Uh, sorry. Uh, I pulled up a page on my on my recording computer that was playing a commercial, and I was really confused as to what I was hearing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Not us. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, I think so. Around I think around the Matrix, where we decided as a, or I guess Hollywood decided that we we're going to go heavy CGI, and we went super heavy CGI, and then there was a point at which I think we said we need to back down from this because it's become too much. You know, like we all we all bitched that the the prequel Star Wars movies are kind of bad not because it's a heavy use of CGI but because it feels cold because there's so much CGI you know the fact that Obi-Wan Kenobi and and Samuel Jackson are talking to a floating tennis ball as opposed to a puppet of Yoda <laughs> like it, it feels different right which is why we love the Mandalorian because baby Yoda it's a puppet it's a thing that they can pick up and interact with and we all know it's a puppet, but we don't care because it's real. Yeah. And and I think mm-hmm. and you mentioned um, Eric, you you brought up uh, a sequel being Mad Max Fury Road, where that's like ninety nine point nine percent practical effects. Um, they, and because he wanted to do that, and that's what makes that movie really interesting and great, is because it feels real and lived in and all that stuff. So that's what makes I think one of the one again one of the things that makes the movie so fun is that thing there is that it, it does just feel real and lived in but that's because it is it's just it's simply the way it is um yeah i don't really have anything else to add it's a good movie go watch it um, <laughs> that's it sure, yeah it always fun. reminds it always, when we every time you bring up a you know an argument about cgi uh it always i always try to go back to one of my favorite quotes from um one of my favorite movies, Jurassic Park. Oh, and uh-huh. it's Ian Malcolm, right? So yeah. you just have to replace, you know, scientists with word producers here, you know, where he <laughs> says, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they, uh, they could, that they didn't stop to think if they should. And that is what's happening with Hollywood and CGI. Sometimes that's perfect. Don't have to do it and and you're right fury road is the best example there is cgi in it of course we know that but it helps tell the story and that's yeah. the problem that george lucas had where i think even one of his quotes was if you know if you have a film full of special effects but no story then the special effects mean absolutely nothing and so that was the big problem with the prequels and even though the story be, be behind fury road was very simplistic at least it was something that we could follow and, and care about but even the special effects though were able to take care of some of the shortcomings of the story so it all just works and and yeah so i mean the point is that i am not against cgi i mean we see cgi in films all the time i mean you talk about the mandalorian there's tons of it but if it works seamlessly and you can't tell then that's the perfect use of cgi but if you can direct an action movie and you could smash up 20 real cars, then you better smash up 20 real cars because that looks way better than any fake fakery because even the physics don't work. We know as human beings, we can, we can call that crap out. We can see it. The uncanny Valley, something doesn't look (laughs) right, but when you do it right, it's impressive. And you're going to have people, standing up and clapping for you know minutes on end instead of walking out of the theater going well of course that's another cgi fest and well, if you the, can the... if you i'm sorry sam but so, if you can get a zombie 
tiger to really attack you <laughs> <laughs> and fly you be through a real the tiger. air, flop you on the ground. By God, you better do it. It's yeah. also why we absolutely love the Matrix. Absolutely love yeah. the Matrix. But we kind of think Matrix 3 is a little silly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's so. a perfect example of the indulgence. Um, yep. You know, they, they did something rather simple and innovative on number one. But then they're like, oh, my God, we got to up the budget. That means we got to up the spectacle and yep. forget about the story. And then, oh, you're right. Number three is like, yep. what is that? Yeah. And you just lose you. You lose your audience. Mm -hmm. So there are parts of that third movie that I feel like I always have to defend. I don't know why, but I love the scene at the dock that when they're when they just have like all of the mech suits. I love a movie with a mech suit fighting something else. <laughs> you know, like the CGI when it's Neo and the agent and it's all kind of weird bendy fighting happening in the sky. Yeah, that's, that's what I don't like. That yeah, stuff kind of is that kind of yeah. sucks. But the for whatever reason, the, the, the scene at the dock, I love that fight scene. I don't know why. Um, that was There were moments where when I would get like a new piece of audio equipment and I wanted to test the sound, I would mm. put... There was a couple of movies I would put on. Uh, the pod racing scene from the first Star Wars movie yes. was one of them because the sound design... Well, sound-wise, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the sound's great. But I would also put on that scene just because of how much is happening in the movie. Again, there's other parts. The movie has issues. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's good. I just like that scene. Anyway, um, I've ta I've been taking some I've been given some grief on some other podcasts about what I think is good, and so I <laughs> I almost feel like I have to qualify things. Yes, Jesse, I'm talking to you uh, about what I think is good. Ah, uh, okay. Oh. So uh, I have a couple audio clips. If you guys are interested in those, um, of course. Absolutely. Good. Let's put them on. Uh, I have a few. Um, seven or so. Uh, so. I was doing these right before the show, and again, I was in a hurry, so I labeled these poorly, so I don't really know what some of these are. Um, <laughs> this is just labeled Terminator, so here we go. Terminator for seven <laughs> seconds. She believes that a machine called a Terminator, which looks human, of course, was sent back through time. There we go. There's the condescending doctor asshole guy. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't the 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 lady doesn't she have a line after that or something that it's just as condescending i can't remember yeah because then she says oh how original yes you know? that's it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it, the doctor sucks the guy yeah oh my gosh i couldn't find any trivia about it but um, so the guy what has to lick Linda Hamilton's face. Oh my god, I know. And so Could you imagine that. So <laughs> imagine I, having to do that for like ten takes. Yeah, yeah. I'm right? so oh, sorry, that... Linda Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just... do, do you think Linda put her put her twin sister in that in that shot instead? That's, that's, that camera's on her I'm face. Out. It's pretty obvious. Um, oh. th there's also some really other All good right. trivia about that dude specifically. So he's supposed to force feed her medication. Again, that th that scene is not in the version that I saw. So I'm reading this trivia about a scene that I don't think I've seen, but it's when he hits her with the nightstick to get her down to her knees so he, she'll she'll take the uh -huh. medicine or whatever. Um, he's supposed to. She wanted him to hit her with the oh. nightstick. Now it's a rubber nightstick, but yeah. she wanted him. Still to, hurts. Yeah, but yeah, she wants. She's like, you have to physically hit me or the shot won't work. And he kept missing her. And the director's like, dude. We, we're going to have to, you have, you have to, and she got so mad at him 
that when it was her turn to hit him with the broken off broom handle, she hit him hard, according to ah. the trivia. Uh, apparently, the trivia literally used the phrase, she got her revenge. So yeah. I, I don't know if Linda Hamilton is such a method actor that she has to beat up her co-stars, but... <laughs> um, we also learned in Resident Well, I mean, he did lick her in the face. Yeah, so. he, yeah he kind of deserved it. Um, all right. Here's 14... Okay, so this is the liquid metal scene. So uh, ima- without the context of the movie, imagine uh, you're opening up a can of dog food. Okay, here you go. Like me. Oh, sorry. That's not it. Where's the noise? Oh, it's way down here. Okay, sorry. This is uh, Schwarzenegger <laughs> explaining what he is. My apologies. See, I didn't label these very well. Okay, here we go. Like me. T-1000, advanced prototype. You mean more advanced than you are? Yes, and mimetic polyalloy. What the hell does that mean? Liquid metal. So, yeah. I was going to say that five times fast. So are you saying that the (laughs) T-1000 is a meme because he's mimetic? No? Okay. No? I thought that would land better than it did. Not, Not allowed. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought that would. Uh, this is the kid saying yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, poor did kid. any of your voices crack as much as his kid? This kid did in the. No. Uh, maybe. I, I but mine but, still does. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Early on, probably. But I. I. Could you imagine that was the ADR? Yeah. All right, yeah, that, that's a good take. Go ahead, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to do it again. Well, and the, so and I, there, again, there's so much trivia about this this movie, and I made the joke about Andrew going through puberty during this podcast because the kid, the movie, the filming took long enough that his voice changed during filming, and so most of his lines are overdubbed. Um, with him post change, uh, mm. and it still sounds like that. Yes. There you go. <laughs> That can't be post. Yeah, that's that's post. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm contractually obligated to play this. Come with me if you want to live. There you go. Great line. <laughs> How did I get that? Yep. Okay, here's, uh, I think this is uh, six seconds of the, the, the opening up a dog food can. And that last noise yeah. is the the gun. I can see it now. Like. I yeah. can totally see it now. But yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Imagine being pouring out the canned dog food. <laughs> yeah, the smell uh, alone. This yep. was a moment in the movie I I kind of I kind of chuckled at because I know that the movie has established that the the T eight hundred is learning human mannerisms. Oh, I hope this is what I hope it is. <laughs> I don't know, but he's he's learning <laughs> some things. Um, and so when he does this in the movie, I thought, would he know to do that? But I didn't care. Time for this set. One more barrel. Two more minutes. How do we? Uh, how do we set them off? Remote control. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't it though. But I, I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, what was the one you were hoping I'd get? I thought, I thought you were gonna do the. Um, uh, what was the the dickwad um, uh, when oh, they when he's learning all the slang, oh, he's the Vista, slang. and then he said, "What's the, what's what's the two that he puts together? He puts um, uh, cool cool off or chill out dickwad or something. Yeah, like chill that. out dickwad. Yeah. It's something me and my brother used to say all the time in the house after we 
after we saw this movie. Nice. So it was just constant. And every time I hear it, I just I think it's great. Yeah. Like, Chill out, dickwad. I thought it, it's brilliant. Uh, so this clip is a clip that I can use for so many things. You know, you can set it up for for anything, and then the punchline works. You know, like um, I had this is a recording of Andrew's wife after. Um, he came home and told her that he uh, spent a whole bunch of money at the strip club, and she said, "Get out." <laughs> like, the, the setup works so much, man. It's great. You know, there's all kinds of. Hey, uh, Kimberly, I bought another pinball machine. Get out. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Only have one. Come on. I know. Uh, Kimberly, I bought another 3D printer. Get out. But they make us money. Get out. All right, fine. Jeez. All right. All right. And then, hey, Lucy, do you want to play Minecraft? Yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and you're totally not wrong. Yeah, that's actually the, that's actually my son. When I said, "Hey, uh, Lucy's playing Minecraft. Do you want to go play?" Yeah. Okay, let's go, pal. Mm. Um, all right. Uh, this is the one of the other. Again, in the moment, it's. I don't know if it's supposed to be a joke or if it's. I mean, okay, it's the joke and then the punchline. But like, it's also kind of terrifying in the moment. So, out of context, here's the here's kind of the joke. This is the vehicle's top speed. I can get out of road faster than this. So, like, like that's the joke. But also, the thing that's chasing you is about to kill you. So, like, that's uh-huh. also a terrifying statement. But that's what makes it great, I think. I think that makes it good mm-hmm. writing. Um, you know, it, 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 it's the same thing as, like, you want me to get out and push. Like, that's, that's the same kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, time for this. And now for some more bad news. Ready? So we've already talked a lot about trivia, which, by the way, trivia on this movie, good lord. Um, <laughs> I couldn't read... I mean, it's uh, 354 items under trivia. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those movies that has such a following that there's always trivia coming out. And pretty much any time one of the actors goes on Jimmy Kimmel and talks about this movie, somebody <laughs> adds trivia to the thing because they said something that wasn't already in the trivia or someone didn't read the 300 before and then added it again because there's... If you took out the duplicates of the trivia, there's probably only 320 as opposed to mm. 354. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm. here's the ones that I read I enjoyed. Uh, according to director James Cameron, Linda Hamilton suffered permanent hearing loss in one ear during the elevator shootout because she did not replace her earplugs after removing them between takes. Wow. Ooh, no. Yeah. That sucks. So Ooh. I always am like... Sam talked about guns and we talked about kind of, you know, weaponry before. And I'm always hyper aware of when like you see a movie where a guy is shooting a gun inside a car, like shooting up at at the bad guy or whatever, like on the roof or whatever. It would be so loud in that car. You wouldn't be able to stand it. You know, I mean, the fact that she's shooting blanks, I mean, not that blanks are less loud than regular ammo, but she's in an elevator. (laughs) She's got hearing loss. Yeah. (laughs) Things are loud. Uh, Industrial Light and Magic's computer graphics department had to grow from six artists to 36 to accommodate all the work required on bringing the T-1000 to life, costing $5.5 and taking eight months to produce, which ultimately amounted to 3.5 minutes 
of screen time. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's and, it, huh? Three and a half minutes, yeah. Well, it's the same thing with Jurassic Park, right, Sam? It's oh, like, yeah. Right. Yep. It, yeah. Cost, it cost them $30 million to make 12 minutes of CGI dinosaur or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah. I know my yeah. numbers are off, but... The stunt pilot, Charles A. Tambro, who plays the unfortunate pilot who was forced to jump out of the helicopter by the T-1000, also performed the stunt whereby the helicopter flies under an overpass in the, o- the final chase scene. A camera car would be driving the Steadicam operator close to the helicopter to capture the up-close shots, but the camera crew refused to film it because of the high risk. So director James Cameron films the shot himself twice, once with the camera car driving behind the helicopter and once in front of it. I think that's badass. Dude, Absolutely. That, that shot is just amazing. So cool. I, yeah. just, I mean, just think about it. One tiny little whirl, yeah. and, and that thing is just yeah. a pinball underneath that, yeah. that bridge. Yeah, yeah and, and I saw, I, I forget when I saw this, but James Cameron was being interviewed and said it was one of the best moments of his, you know, career, really, getting to film that scene. The And it's funny because younger, when I watched the, I guess the one time that I watched it or whatever, like that scene has no bearing on me. I'm just watching it. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, it's yeah. just part of the overall. And honestly, it's just funny. Eric sends me a message and says, we are going to talk about the helicopter stunt, right? We're going to talk about the helicopter stunt. <laughs> I said, we'll talk about whatever you want to, man. It's fine. So when I was watching it, I'm like, I got to make sure I pay attention to this stunt because maybe I'm, I must not remember it being anything at all. And then I watched it this time and I went, oh my gosh, that's a stunt. Like they did that thing. That's a real thing. Um, and even just as simple as the fact that the chopper is is kind of on the you know hovering over the ground and then goes over the next bridge. It was pretty close. Like it felt like it was, you know, a few yeah. feet away from that bridge. So that pilot had some stones on him. Yeah, I think the clearance when he measured it was about five feet above and four feet on each side. That's all he had. Like that's steady hands, man. And twice, right? I mean, that's insane. Um, but I uh, the. I mean, you, you, again, with a with a film with so many stunts, you just don't really think about it, especially at that point, right? With everything that's going on, or has gone on in the movie, but it's um, it's remarkable. And again, um, you know, watching modern movies and then coming back to this, and you're you're watching a you know a real truck chase with with a real helicopter flying around. It 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 would not be the same today, but you know, seeing seeing that actually happening. It's captured on film. That's that's what's going on in the scene. It just, it, I, I love that stuff. I, I I love it anytime I get a chance to see that. Even in if they do it in a modern day film, I'm gonna stand up and, and clap because um, that that's that's what makes these movies that much more interesting. And even if it's miniatures, I mean, they were gonna try miniatures for this. Um, that wasn't gonna work. They were gonna put the helicopter, I think, on wheels. But then again, you can see the whole chopper so i mean yeah i mean a guy's life was at risk but i'm pretty sure everything was put into place where you know he wasn't gonna die and and they tested it out but i mean it's for as simple as it looks it's one of the most incredible stunts i've ever seen the last two little things real quick i'll try to be uh, quick here edward furlong immediately got along with uh, arnold as the young actor had grown up without a father figure and schwarzenegger could fill that role both in front and behind camera. 
Linda Hamilton joked that she experienced excruciating moments when she was forced to listen to Schwarzenegger give Furlong advice about women and stated that they did that they fit so well together because they were both emotionally the same age. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's so true. That's amazing. So I mentioned it earlier, Sam, in your in your middle name. Oh, it's, it's disturbing as well. Oh yeah, I mentioned this in your middle name, Sam, and you probably didn't know what yeah. this meant. So here's here's I'm tying it back in. Right, this is an okay. hour and a half ago callback. The as the T1000 is seeing seen to disintegrate in the steel, which melts at approximately 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. This means that simply loading and firing Dragon's Breath shotgun shells. So when she's got that shotgun that she's racking with one hand and firing, that's called dragon's breath. That's what those shells are called. When she's shooting him with the dragon breath, it would stop him in his tracks. The dragon breath rounds burns at about 3,000 to 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So, oh. so it, yeah, it, it would, would have melted would at least of, the area about where it was touching. Yeah. Um, okay. I still think my favorite shot, one of my favorite shots of the movie is the one that she shoots him in the head. And the camera, he steps in front of the camera and we see her face through his head as yeah, he then goes yeah. in front. I thought that was such a cool shot. I really do. I just think that's <laughs> so cool. Uh, okay, time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. Believe it or not, we've not done any Arnold Schwarzenegger movies uh, as a top three. And I think we've not done very many. I think we did Eraser, maybe, um, mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. And I think that's like it. So we're going to do Arnold movies. Um, and now that I Arnold. remember that we did Eraser, uh, under my top three category, I don't have a film, I don't have a category for that. So maybe we did Arnold, but that was also episode 111. So I think we're okay. We can do them again. <laughs> Gosh, that was a long time ago. That was your 11th episode with us, Andrew. No, 10th episode with us. 10th? Oh, sorry. It's 11th. been a minute. Yeah. He was so. still young. Yeah, you were a young, young chap. When you were a young warthog. So, time for top three. Um, I'm going to let Sam go first. All right. Um, I've got to put uh, uh, Last Action Hero at number three for me, mm. which I enjoy. It's a bad movie, but I enjoy it. It's perfectly fine. Uh, I like Waterworld. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, uh, uh, my number two is uh, Total Recall. Which one? And... I'm just joking. I'm joking. Okay, and my number one <laughs> has to be True Lies. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. good, True. so good. Uh, Eric, I'm gonna ask you go next. Uh, yeah, my number three is Total Recall. I oh, okay. think it's probably the best movie uh, Schwarzenegger's ever been in, or at least the one with the best script and ideas. Yeah. Uh, then it's T two. And then number one, which is also my wife's favorite movie of all time, Predator. Okay. Oh, it's a, really a favorite movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and that's why I married her. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually funny. Uh, the, 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 the night the night I proposed to her, we went back home and watched Predator. I know that sounds weird, but it's exactly what she did. That's exactly what we did. <laughs> she loves Predator. She also likes schlocky movies, but there's just something about Predator. Predator. That and Jaws. Though that's her that's her back to back um 
twin bill if she could uh, watch those two. I like theaters. Jaws, but I think I think I would fall asleep. There's so much downtime in Jaws that that <laughs> if I watch it over and over again, I think I would I would lose interest. Yeah, she loves them. But yeah, Predator was that was a, a surprise when I found out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can marry you. Absolutely, <laughs> that's great. That's cool. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I think that's. I mean, it's important. Uh, I think um, uh, if if you're into a thing and like you're both into a thing, to to know that. I don't know why I feel like that's important. Um, of course, I've been with my wife for 14 years and. I don't know what her absolute favorite is, but she doesn't either. You know, like it changes so much with her. Mm, huh. Like like when we were dating, it was the notebook. And then it would probably change yeah. to maybe one of the Lord of the Rings movies for a little while. And then it would be something different. Like so like right now, I don't honestly know what her favorite movie is like right now because it probably is a, a Hallmark movie for all I know at this point. I don't know. It's Waterboy. The Waterboy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, probably not that. Oh, are you are you digging? Are you looking? Uh, no, no. Oh, uh, I thought you were looking for a. Uh, did we do Waterboy on this we, podcast? Oh, we did Waterboy. Oh, are you wanting the noise? Is that what ago. you're? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I I missed uh, that uh, that softball you were throwing me. And yeah, I, the whiff. That was a whiff. It totally was a whiff, and I can't find it. So. Oh, what about the KFC guy? I know, I know. That's the that's the noise I'm looking for. Boy, this is yeah. terrible. Uh, I do have a clip from the original Terminator. Yo, mama. There you go. I got that handy. <laughs> Why is that handy? Um, I don't know what I labeled it. Crap. Uh, this is <laughs> such a letdown. No worries. Uh, here we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> It's one of the best ones. Yeah. Get that one. It really is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, yeah. So uh, I go next, uh, and then Andrew, and then, or though, then, uh, yeah, Andrew, and then Twitter. Uh, so I did uh, two honorable mentions. One, uh, well, both of them are technically cheats, and I don't care. So Ooh. my first honorable mention is, Gen- is uh, Terminator Salvation. Uh, I actually like that movie. I think it's pretty good. Not great. I think it's I think it's okay. Again, not great. It's just a fun action film. It's very different than any of the other Terminators. But the, um, there is a fight scene with a T-800, which is a CGI'd version of the original Schwarzenegger from 1984. 84? Mm-hmm. 80, whatever. 84, 84 yeah. yeah. So it's So it's that. Um, so it's not really Arnold. He doesn't have any lines. Again, it's a it's an uncanny valley kind of uh, thing that they've done. Mm-hmm. With it. But it it's still a pretty cool fight scene. And he's also naked. <laughs> well, that's just it's, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, we should uh, we should do Salvation for the podcast. In fact, I'd be honestly I'd be down with doing the entire Terminator franchise. Honestly, I think that would be yeah. a franchise that's worthy of our attention. Um, as what we do for this podcast, I think that'd be good. Cause especially since the third one is pretty bad and i've yeah. not i've not seen all of it i've yeah. only seen the last 20 minutes of that movie oh yeah. my god have you not seen the uh the I've, fire truck chase then? no i've seen not, again oh. i i literally saw the part where they show up at like the place where david yeah. andrews were name dropped that's the gentleman that i got to meet him um where he he pushes the button that activates things mm. 
Um, and then he tells them to get into a helicopter, and then they go to NORAD where they hide yeah. to to, yeah. to kind of <laughs> wait out. The um, I would say that the yeah, there's this uh, crane fire truck chase that happens somewhere in the first act or just beginning of the second act, which is uh, pretty damn good. I mean, it would not be out of place in T2, honestly. It okay. is fantastic, like real stunts. There's CGI in it, but it's it's pretty impressive. Um, and there's some good ideas in, in, in three. It's just not executed as well as the first two. Sure. No. And I remember they went with the lady Terminator and that was like a big deal for yeah. some reason. Um, anyway, uh, my other cheat is the rundown because Arnold has an uncredited uh, character, they but, almost he's, put that in there, but yeah. he's acting as Arnold and he only has one moment, but, uh, it was later kind of revealed to me in that moment that that's kind of Arnold telling the rock, this is now your game. Like mm, I'm passing yeah. the torch to you to now be the guy, which I think is kind of a neat idea because I never picked it up in that movie. Uh, so anyway, I, anytime I can play the rundown or say the rundown, I'm going to. Um, so there you go. Jingle <laughs> All the Way is my number three. I like that movie. I haven't seen it in years, but it's fun. I, you know, Sinbad and Arnold and whatever. Uh, number two, um, and I didn't explain this uh, Eric, to you, the rules for our, us, the three of us, is that we can't pick the movie we just did. If we could, th- this is where that would go. It would be in this. Oh spot. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Would have been my ne- no. You're yeah, fine. You can, you're the guest. Uh, you can. You, well, you can. Okay, I'll, I'll put Conan the Barbarian in my place. Then, in the place See, that's also one of, I've never, go. never yeah. seen that. I've not seen. Um, that, and I've also never seen all of. I haven't seen all of Total Recall either. Oh I man, know. dude! Really? I, I know. Really? Wow, dude! Yeah. Do those back to back. You have he a good just, night. He yeah. made it to the three boobed girl, and yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's where he. That's where he ended. Yeah. That's where he ended. <laughs> Never made it past that. Just like the sex scene in Monsters Ball. Anyway, um, <laughs> so number two is Eraser, and my number one is also True Lies. So I love True Lies. Oh, True, uh, Lies. True Lies is great. Yeah, so much fun. Andrew, what you got? So I'm gonna uh, throw in a a real honorable mention here with uh, his fantastic role as Mister Freeze in Batman and Robin. <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's okay, a terrible yeah, movie. I wouldn't oh, put that on God. any list ever. Um, <laughs> um, but no, seriously though, my number three was True Lies. Uh, number two is Twins. And number one, it's not a tumor. Yeah. Kindergarten cop. All right. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, cool. We did get some responses on the on the Twitter. Let's see. Um, Lauren from the Beard Owl podcast said, "Jingle all the way and Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor." That's literally what she wrote. Um, <laughs> Cameron from Green Shirt said, "Terminator Two, Conan, and Total Recall." And Jesse said, "Predator T Two and Predator." <laughs> well done. Nice, Jesse. I didn't when I originally. I, I, that's, I didn't see that originally. That's, that's well played, sir. Well played. Okay. Uh, that's it. I have nothing else to say. Right? Do I have anything else to say? Of course I do. I always flip and forget this. This is the thing I created and I forgot. Uh, um, soundtrack grade. I would give this soundtrack grade a. A B. I would give it a solid B. I think it's a good soundtrack. Uh, it's not great. It's got a good theme that everyone will know. But it's uh, it's good. I don't think it's great. I think it's good. That's just me. Eric probably has a different opinion since that's you know kind of what he does for a living. 
<laughs> but, uh, um, no, that, that, that's it's not a wrong rating. Um, I mean, in the world that I live in, which is soundtracks, this, is, this one is always rated as like a brilliant film score, but a, like an impossible listen on its own. And it is a it's a tough one to get through on its own. But I think the album is actually uh, well assembled and, and, and I like it and, and I like it in context. And as I said, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the program or somewhere in between um, that it is my one of my favorite all, all electronic scores sure. of all time. And um, yeah, it's a it's an A for me. And it's one of Fidel's um best scores and i think i I think it is his best score although i'm probably the people in the soundtrack community are going to say that the terminator is the the best one but i think the way that the sound evolved and the themes evolved and everything to that um terminator 2 is is really the best thing he's ever done okay cool um my last little thing that i do here is my quote game uh this is a about right uh, oh, we have not done out of 10. Gosh, I am just... This episode's gone so long, <laughs> I've forgotten. We're supposed to give this a score. I played this part here. Wait, what's supposed to happen? Why do I have this? We have a Hulk. Oh, okay. For some reason, that was ahead of my top 10. I think that's what screwed me up. Okay. Uh, did we have a montage in this movie? I don't think we did, did we? Uh, no. I don't think no, we did. Okay. I don't think so. I was looking forward to playing that clip. That's fine. All right. Out of 10, this is where we give this movie a score from 0 to 10. Andrew. Well, IMDb puts this at an 8.5 out of 10, and I'm going to be right there, uh, very close to that, because I, I do think it is one of the better movies to come out of the 90s, because there was a lot of trash that came out of the 90s, and this is probably one of the better ones. Uh, and so. Um, at rewatchability purposes, uh, uh, like Eric said, I, this is one I could watch over and over. So I'm going to give this one, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to go 8.8 out of 10. All right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You, uh, only because you go back to the future. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what they do, I guess. Well, I guess they go back to the past. I guess in this one. Yeah. Uh, Eric. Yeah. It's, um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. If I had to put it like a top 20, this one is on that list. So since it is on that list, I'm going to give it a perfect score. I, I, I find nothing wrong with it. I enjoy it from start to finish and I eager to watch it again. You know, rewatchability is really important with, um, you know, my favorite movies. So if I could pick this up at any time, I would. I probably would watch it in any language. It's just a fantastic movie, and uh, I don't think it had any right being as good as it was, and I'm pretty sure that everybody in 1991 was like, um, you shouldn't be doing this movie. But as uh, <laughs> we experienced with Aliens, James Cameron is really great with sequels he's really great with action and he outdid himself with this so yeah i think it's uh just an absolutely perfect action movie it it, it did do and it did it perfectly so did i give a number uh you didn't but i assumed okay. that when you said ten. the word yeah 11 11 i went with the assumption that if you said it's a perfect film that you were going to give it a 10 yeah. i was just yeah. jumping out on a limb there <laughs> I, I felt pretty safe though on that limb uh sam yeah 
Yeah, I, I was actually while while you guys were talking a little bit there, I went back and looked at some of our rankings to try to fit it in where I would believe it would fit in terms of a movie. Um, I, I, it's hard to. I think Eric mentioned it's it's hard to fault this movie on anything. It's so tight. It's so good. The action is great. It's it, it's just one of these one-off type of things that just just comes out almost perfect. Um, I'm going to have to probably give it an, an 8.49 out of 10. 8.49, um, all right. And only, only because I can't show this to my kids. Uh, you know, how old are your children? 10 and 8. Okay. My son is 15, and, <laughs> oh, and when he was 14, uh, I showed it to him. And I'm and I'm pretty sure you know anybody that's a, that's a dad here or a parent just watching your favorite movies through your children's eyes is one of the most thrilling things yeah. ever. Yes. And my son is not a big movie fan. He likes his, oh. his television shows, but he really doesn't like movies. But I forced him to sit down and watch T2, and he just he stood there, just stunned. And oh. and I'm like, well, how was that? And he's like, well, that was awesome. So that gave me chills. And yeah. Uh, yeah, anytime I get a chance to watch my favorite movies through my children's eyes, it is yeah. an absolute thrill. So I hope you get to experience that in a few years. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I, I got to brag a little bit that my daughters, uh, we watched Empire Strikes Back. Mm. And they audibly gasped uh, when, when it came out that Vader was his father. And I'm like, oh, this is just the perfect, perfect, <laughs> yeah. perfect. My life is Isn't complete. that fun? Yeah, yeah it's, my, it's just amazing. My son I ruined have... that moment for himself because he looked up on YouTube all the spoilers oh, and stuff. Like, oh, I, no. So when, so we watched it together. He and I watched my... it, and, and he was oh just like, God. he knew it was happening. So I was, I was kind of a bummed out. Oh. Oh, man. My son was like six. He had a his toy lightsaber in his hand while we were watching and he's like and he was standing like right in front of the television about two feet away from it from when it <laughs> happened and i was taking pictures actually so i do have pictures of him watching it and then him turning towards me and the face he made he didn't say anything right he just looked at me and it was like really and i'm like i don't know yeah. i'll have to watch return of the jedi to figure this out but he was i, I was <laughs> I'm so glad I captured that. It is hilarious <laughs> to look back and watch that. But you're right. The Empire yep. Reel, man, as a parent watching that yep. oh, with your children, aces. It's yep. awesome. Yep. I agree. And this, and I don't want to get into it because I, it, we're, this show is too long. But th this is the, <laughs> this is the this argument. Great. This is the argument that I make continuously that there is an order in which you must watch Star Wars, especially if you're mm -hmm. watching it with someone that's never seen it. And the order is not one through nine. That is the wrong no, way to right. watch it because no. you ruin the, the opportunity to have that moment in five where yep, yep. you get the reveal. Because if you don't have that, you already know that Anakin is his dad. And therefore, that has no meaning. It has no gut punch. And, mm -hmm. and I, I agreed. Yep, I've argued that. And I, I, I don't understand why this is a thing I have to argue. Anyway, <laughs> well, you have to argue against George Lucas because he wants everybody to watch it one through six. I know, and that's crazy. his preferred. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, and no, I also, it's four, five, six, one, two, three. Absolutely. I've also had the same argument with people about the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they want they want to start with Captain America because it was the mm -hmm. in the in the line of time 
it was the first one. You do Captain America and then Captain Marvel. And then and I'm like, no, it's not. No, you can't do that. Because then you see Nick Fury at the end of Captain America. And you're like, who is this man? I don't know who he is because I haven't had Iron Man 1 and 2 to find out who he is. Right. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. get into it. I'm, I'm going to get myself worked up. So all I'm going to say is this movie's a nine <laughs> for me. Um, oh wow! Okay, I love this movie. I think it's great. I I, I wish I've I've seen it more times than I have. I feel a little embarrassed that I haven't watched it as much. This is a great movie. Uh, I use the word perfect, a perfect film on a few movies. Uh, I think Die Hard is a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Um, not mm-hmm. saying that it doesn't have a couple of little missteps here and there. This movie, in my eyes, has a couple of missteps, but that doesn't make it what it the it perfectly executes the vision. And the story and the thing that it's trying to be, yep. And and it yeah. perfectly executes the tone. It. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. Right. You get rid of the bad to the bone moment. This is a nine point three. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like I'm nitpicking. That's one hundred percent nitpicking. I mean, that gives us an average <laughs> score of nine point zero seven two five. That's going to put this movie in our top like eight of films yeah, that we've reviewed for the it. podcast. I can see it. And I'm totally good with that. Frankly, it would I'm, not bother me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, we, we need to get some more really good movies to knock some of the other ones that are out of there. Cause I think we've got <laughs> some that are a little too high. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, all right. Time for this last little thing here. Uh, the quote game, uh, ma, Oh, sorry. Made it ma top of the world. There you go. If you know what that is, send us a message on Twitter or Facebook, and I will mail you a sticker. I will what do it. What was last week, by the way? What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They've been waiting two hours for that answer. Come on. <laughs> Am I supposed to give you the answer Come the last on. week? <laughs> Come on. Uh, oh. you, know, you know how to whistle, don't you? Steve, you just put your lips together and blow. That was the line. I don't know what it was. Um... Well, your poster doesn't tell you. No. Well, it it does. I just can't see it from where I'm sitting. Uh, You know how to. uh, No one chimed in for a free sticker? No one has chimed in for a free sticker again. Uh, Lauren Bacall, legendary actress, uh, she said it to Humphrey Bogart in the movie that it won't tell me what it is called. To have and to have not. To have and have not. To have and have not. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right, cool. All right. Oh my gosh. Um, guys, this has been so much fun. This has been such a blast. Eric, thank you so it much really for coming has. on. Yeah. Um, I think my script is telling me I don't have anything else to say. So please, Eric, tell our listeners how they can find more of you. Because I found you uh because of another mutual friend, uh Chris Lott, uh from the Measuring the Score podcast, who did who wrote our intro music. Um, he, oh, uh, that's awesome! Yeah, he wrote our mu- yep. our music. Uh, he he commented, you know, he, it was one of those days where he was like, someone posted, "Hey, looking for um, for music uh, podcast." And he posted yours, and I said, "Oh, oh my that's God. nice of him." And then you yeah, commented, "We're, we're going to get together at one point um, next month, and we're going to talk shop." So yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He is. He's so. the best. And. Um, and so he, uh, anyway, so I listened to your Waterworld episode and I was blown away at your, your podcast and how good it was. And I said, I've got to find a way to, to, to convince this guy to come on my show. Um, <laughs> to, to I'll, I'll come on. Sorry. <laughs> I'm all choked up over that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Hey, look, I'll come on 
anytime. You guys are so much fun. And on top of that, you let me talk shop as well here on the show, and I felt like I was boring you with my Fidel. Um, you no, know, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. You, that, you don't that know stuff us. Is amazing. Yeah, Eric, you don't, <laughs> we're, you don't, we're music guys. So. Yeah, the three of us. Yeah, two of us <laughs> okay. are music majors. I, no, this and, is. Yeah, I, you're fine. I think it's it's. Fan. I've been on other shows before, and and they're all different. And you guys are. You guys make me feel welcome, and you guys are a lot of fun. It's 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 a it's a it's a blast. So I, I yeah. Anytime you guys want me to come back, I I'm I'm totally in. Yeah, well, it's usually not this bad it, it, since Sam uh, is stoned the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that totally didn't come out of my mouth the right way because apparently I'm falling asleep at this. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, yes, so uh, please tell people how they can. Did you already do that? How people can find your show? <clears throat> no, and I'll keep it brief. <laughs> I talked enough. Uh, yeah, uh, Cinematic Sound uh, podcast, uh, cinematicsound.net. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sound Radio. I also hang out on Facebook occasionally, so you can check me out there at uh, Cinematic Sound. And uh, we also have a Patreon, so if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Radio, And we have a lot of cool stuff uh, on that channel, including old FM broadcasts of my show, which uh, turns 25 years this month. And uh, yeah, we have a nice little community over there. But yeah, if you're interested in uh, soundtrack music from films, TV, and video games, and you like more of a, a traditional radio program where you have a DJ that's on there kind of talking about the music, then plays uh, really big snippets of of the scores, yeah. and I play up to like 12, 15 minutes at a oh. time. Um, then, yeah, if you really want to get in and dig the music and actually hear um, what it's all about, then yeah, check out Cinematic Sound Radio. I it's please great show. please take this fully as a compliment. When I listened to your Waterworld episode, it felt like I was listening to an NPR level <laughs> I mean, i'm saying it, it to me it was yeah. it was like i was listening to because npr because i still listen to terrestrial radio i know i'm weird mm-hmm. and yeah. uh npr on saturday nights here at eight o'clock um does a film uh series they do film scores and oh, nice. and they will typically pick a category you know so it'll be like ocean and so then so like one episode will like one track will be a track from Waterworld, and then the next one will be a track from Ocean's mm-hmm. 13, and then one track will be, for, you know, like they do whatever. Right. But like that's yeah, what that means, episode, yeah. that's what it felt yeah. like. It was like I was listening to a very well-produced. So seriously, if you're listening to my show, and I know a lot of you that listen to our show are music people, you've got to check his, his show out. Um, yeah. It's really great. And it was also very confusing because his initials for his show is the same as ours. So when we were chatting <laughs> back and forth. Oh, yeah, right. You referenced C- CSR, and I'm like, is he talking about my show? No, he can't. Be. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe I should change that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been oh, around gosh. 25 years. We've been around seven. I yeah. think you're. You should stick uh, with I, what I, you got. I have got. no idea when I when I started. You know, saying CSR. I think it was just because of Twitter. I had no. Uh, yeah. No ways of shortening it uh, any other yeah. way. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. That's funny. All right. Well, that's it. Um, if you're still listening with us, God bless you. Um, and. I'll simply say next week we have another great guest coming up and we're doing uh, a very different movie. It's kind of a comedy, action comedy. Looking forward to that. Uh, we're doing Game Over Man. Next uh, week. Game Over Man. Never seen it. Netflix kind of a thing. Sam was excited. Sam was clearly excited. Uh, once, yes. But he'll have uh, a good time with our guest. It'll be great. 
So yep. uh, in the meantime, you can check out our social stuff, uh, which is uh, Twitter is at Cheap Seat Cast. Um, our website is cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com, uh, where you can find all 300-plus episodes. Go back and listen to something else. Go back and listen to Terminator 1 and then listen to this. Ooh, there you go. There you mm-hmm. go. Kind of ease into the, to this, to the thing there. Uh, we're on Facebook uh, and Instagram and all those other places. But please, the, the coolest thing you could do if you're listening, if you're listening because you're our listeners, thank you, if you're listening because of Eric's listeners, welcome. Please stay if you like the, you know, the weather is good here. Uh, and please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, that would be amazing. Uh, we've had an uptick in reviews recently, which is super cool. So please leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. Helps us improve in those global rankings that I randomly post about how we were the 10,000th uh, podcast in the world. So maybe help us get into the 7,000th. That'd be pretty cool. Um, I'll take into the, the four digits. That, that'd be fine with Well, me. we're currently parked somewhere around 8,000. So it'd be kind of neat if we can break into oh, the wow. 7,000. Okay. Yeah, we nice. are. According to the website that I use, which is, I think is Andrew's, just his personal site. So who knows how it is. <laughs> it's just a Google sheet. That's all it is. It's just that a is Google sheet. I'm not very good with the internet. Um, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. On behalf of, of Andrew and Sam, Eric, this is Sean saying thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Reviews.